Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Um, so, well, we're just going to talk about the coming year, um, and, and years, more than just this one, but um, we've talked a little bit the last, just in December, and then even in these last couple of weeks, just talking about um, the coming year, and really what we want to see, really what the Holy Spirit's been downloading to us for our church, um, and you know from December, and we've been talking about it since then, is really what the Lord wants to mark this year with in, in your personal life, but even as a church, is that this would be a year of joy-filled breakthrough for every single one of us, um, and on the joy-filled breakthrough, it's not like we sit back and just let God do it all, we have to activate our own lives and get involved and in, on his plan and his agenda and follow his heart. And in that place of following him and being obedient, there's joy in that And because we're partnering then in his plans. And so his joy becomes ours. Everything that's his, for his plans become ours, which one of them is joyful breakthrough. So that's really for our year, for, your, for our lives, because, you know, we know... We've said it before, the last six months of last year was a lot of people got hit with a lot of things, but literally this year from the January happened and there's already so many testimonies coming in. And so even um, Terry's one with her 85-year-old dad who just got down on his knees to pray for the first time in his life after an encounter with heaven uh, in a hospital. And so we should be seeing and expecting these things in our lives as a very normal part of Christian life. The supernatural is our normal, should be our normal. We should expect it like every day, not just once in a while or to hear some other person's testimony, but you have your own testimony of what God is doing in you, in your family, but then also through you and how he's using you to touch neighbours and friends and your co-workers or people that you're at school with. It's, this is our normal supernatural, spirit-filled life that's lived um, fully uh, in love with Jesus, your life laid down serving him, part of his army, taking up his agenda and his will for your life. And so that's great. So tonight what we wanted to do is kind of, this is a little different format we normally have. We normally have somebody preaching, um, but we actually wanted to unfold to you guys a little bit of who are we? What, What is Seashore Church? What are we all about? Where are we going? And I know that a lot of people sometimes have a, a piece of the puzzle, but maybe haven't been able to figure out how this all kind of flows together. So as best we can, I think we're going to try to put the jigsaw puzzle together to kind of give you guys a picture of what we feel like God's called us to do as a church, if that makes sense. And we're going to do it really fast, so hopefully you can stay with us. Is that okay? You're really smart. You're really fast. No, we won't do it really fast. If we don't get through it all, we'll just keep talking about it for the next few weeks. If we don't get through so it okay. all, I'll stress over it so, for the next week. And no. No, we don't stress. So our theme of a church as a church is really based on Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 10. The theme of our church, we would say, is called more of heaven. And I think we've got the scripture up here, the, the Matthew chapter 6, verse. Did I get the right verse? Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Liam, you with us, buddy? Verses, so, hello? Anyway, this is um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our verse for more of heaven. The theme really of our church that God really spoke to our hearts is that um, that we'd be heaven is what we're what yeah. we're about, his presence. And that's here right now on earth as much as it is in heaven, but it's heaven wherever you are. And so it's our prayer. We pray all the time in all kinds of different prayers, but it is um, Jesus taught us pray, God, you will be done, your kingdom come. The, the two, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. I want, I want, we want heaven yeah. to be our reality here. Yeah. So 
So if Jesus prayed, there it is, on earth as it is in heaven, we're not a bunch of Christians trying to get other Christians to heaven. That's not our sole purpose. But if Jesus prayed that on earth as it is in heaven, that means we can bring heaven to earth. Yeah. And so that's where the theme war of heaven comes from. And if you were to kind of to define what, what kind of a church is this or what's the methodology behind what we do, I think the word that comes to mind most for us is family, that we are a family. And though we're called to make disciples, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, the primary method for which we make disciples is family. I remember I had this picture I was sharing with, with, uh, with somebody just this past week that when I pictured, before we ever began Sunday services, I pictured our church the kind where nobody knows whose kids are who. Do you know what I mean? Where they're always just talking to Grandma Kay or, or, or hanging out with, with, you know, Stuart or whatever. It's, we're such a family that it's hard to know whose kids actually belong to whose. Not in a weird way, not in a cult <laughs> way. I just mean we're so comfortable with each other yeah. um, because of the spirit that actually binds us together. And I love that in Psalm chapter uh, 68, verse 6, it says that God places the lonely in families and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. God places the lonely in families. Now, all of us have been lonely, I have, at some point in my life. But I like that, number one, God sees the lonely. God doesn't ignore them. He sees them and he sets them in families. Now, it still requires some engagement on my part. I can choose to be a part of that family, or I can choose just to be a guest at the Sunday dinner table, but not actually a part of the family. God sets us in families, but we have to make the decision to engage. I don't think it's any coincidence that we've got at least two foster families in our church that have taken on and now adopted kids of their own. It's just the greatest picture of what God does to us. Mm -mm. God takes those who do not have a family, he places them in a family, and he adopts us. Isn't that great? He adopts us. But the role we have to play in the adoption is that we give our lives and our hearts over to him and choose to become a part of his family. God sets the lonely in families, but he doesn't make you stay. You can make a choice whether to just come for Sunday dinner. You can be a friend of the family or you can join the family. And the family I'm talking about is not joining Seashore Church. It's becoming a part of God's family, his kingdom, which is bigger than any one local expression of that church. Does that make sense? But I do believe that God places people in specific churches as well. And that's something that you've got to hear from God about for yourself. But when we look at making disciples, our primary means of discipleship really is family. And there's a couple of ways that we do this. It's, it's certainly through relationship. But I remember, Remy, when we started, uh, when we really felt God's call on us to kind of start a church, um, we didn't have a church for a little bit. We had, what we had was our Friday night family night. Anybody have family night, like a designated family night? So Friday night was our family night. Sometimes we'll be cooking dinner and having a movie. Sometimes we go out and do something. And then we just started thinking, let's just add some worship into our Friday nights. Let's worship together. Let's pray together. And then a couple of other families went, hey, we heard that you guys pray together on Friday night. Can we come? We're like, okay. So it started in our living room, and then our living room got too small, and somebody else said, I've got a bigger living room. Why don't we just do it at our house on Friday nights, and we can bring some food over. Food is always an important aspect of that. Food is people glue. It sticks people together. 
And so we just decided to start doing that with them. And then people started getting healed. So people got healed. So people brought their sick friends and they started getting healed. People started getting words of knowledge for themselves for the first time. They started to hear God. And that's where the church kind of birthed out of. That living room became a synagogue that we rented over in Green Run for a while. And then it became this building here. But my point is, it was never about where we meet, the type of building, the room. We've been blessed to be a part uh, of a rental agreement with this church here, Thalia, for uh, going in our second year now. But it's been about family. And family doesn't necessarily need the perfect meeting space. It just needs a place where the family is. And wherever the family is, that's what it's all about. And so we want to continue to extend that by helping people get set in families. Um, well, so something that's important with this in line with the family is um, the church here in America and Australia is the same in other, other parts of the world, but the church, um, many in the church don't know their identity in Christ. And so uh, too many of us are quite overwhelmed with life circumstances and too many of us are overwhelmed and tired or afraid or uh, afraid of the enemy, afraid of uh, if you have to come up meet with someone that might need deliverance from a demon but don't know what to do because you don't know who Christ is inside you yet. So being part of the family, the large, a very large part of this is discovering who you are, understanding who God is inside you and you are in him, in his family. And so what that makes you is with him in you, the most powerful person on the planet, with all of us, but the enemy cannot stand against people who rise up and understand who they are in Christ. And that's what he wants us to do in family. Because when he has people that will rise up and understand who they are and who he is, we are unstoppable. And the gates of hell are pushed back and pushed back and pushed by people who know who God is. And so in family, um, I mean, we're two years, we're two years and a couple of months in. So, um, you might go, oh, well, we're, we're a small church, and uh, God doesn't see that. God sees big church because it's not about the number of the people in the church. It's about the people with the faith inside them to understand there's a fearlessness in them because now God's on the inside, and they can get up and go, do go. Great exploits with him because they understand who he is, and so it's a big people in the church that makes all the difference in the kingdom. And so when we talk about family, we want to build big, big people who know God, who know the word of God, who can flow in the Holy Spirit, who know how to um, meet someone on the street and lead them to Christ in a split second moment of because you've heard the Holy Spirit say this person needs this. Or maybe it's physical healing or inner healing or deliverance, something, any kind of ministry that you saw Jesus do is yours to be doing and so family is we are living and growing together and becoming this family but it's really an army for God who won't sit down ever that's great and the good part is there's always room at the table for more yeah, yeah so it's yeah. not the kind of family where it's like look this is it we can't handle anymore there is always yeah. room at the table for more. My kids ask me all the time, can so-and-so come to dinner? I was like, of course they can. It's good to give mom and dad a heads up, but there's always room in our house. There's always room in our table. There's always room in our church for more. So a couple of things in regards to family. You've got kids, you've got parents, you've got all that kinds of stuff. So a couple of quick details we'll run through. Um, our kids area, I love what's happening in our kids areas because our kids are learning to hear from God for themselves. They're not just there playing games. They are we, we've sometimes seen more healing in our kids' ministry than we have in our service now. That's why I hate letting the kids go before the prayer time, because I actually want to see their faith getting activated. Um, so Jessica Pruitt has done a great job running our kids' ministry for two years now. 
really, really done a great job. Um, but now Stephanie is going to be taking over our kids department as of today, actually, actually of, of February of today. She's going to be running our older kids program and the anointing and gifting on her life is more than just kids, but I've seen what she's been doing when she's back there, and it's just been absolutely amazing. Jessica is going to be taking over the toddler area, which she knows is more in line with her gifting. She loves working with the younger kids. Stephanie loves working with the older kids, and she'll be doing more in the life of the church as well, but that's going to be a primary area that she's going to be serving in. So let's congratulate her for what she's doing. We've already told you about Kim, who's actually looking after our youth girls and we're willing to see that continue to increase. And, and my daughter comes back every time raving about Kim and what's happening in our youth program with the girls. And so we're pretty excited about what Kim's doing. And that's not to leave the boys out. That's nope. coming. That's coming. That's coming. Boys are coming. Uh, we plan this year of doing some kind of a marriage um, seminar, a marriage retreat. We're still working out some of the details of that. But I'd love to see our married couples, no matter how old you are, how young you are, how long you've been married, gather together and just focus on that area of marriage. So that's coming soon. Uh, we're wanting to do another, at least one more men's getaway, another women's getaway, maybe in the wintergreen area. We're still working out some of the details of that. And, uh, but we want to do all of those things. But you'll notice we've never been a heavy programmatic church. It's not the programs that help people, it's family. So we want things and events and programs that facilitate the family environment. And we're going to be doing more table talks which it, it's funny, but I've seen so much growth in people that have been a part of these six-week series of table talks that we've done. We'll figure out different formats for them. Sometimes Friday night works for people. Sometimes the lunchtime works for people. But the point is gathering around food to grow in our affection for God together and our knowledge of the Word and walking in our relationship with Him and with each other. So, so when the Holy Spirit said, do this, just gather people for dinner, it can be potluck, make it easy, so it's easy for everyone, you just turn up, something to share, and um, other than the host, you know, everyone else just turns up, shares something, but the point is we eat food, we talk, we pray, we sometimes worship, um, sometimes there's, you know, ministry, one-to-one ministry, um, but it's really about the ability just to gather and talk about God, no matter what the topic is, because God's so big, um, and Holy Spirit said, call it table talks, I was like, okay, we just did it. So we've been doing that for two years. Three, two or three weeks ago, I was reading about Martin Luther, and he and his wife did the exact same thing. And they called it table talks. How great is that? I thought that was awesome. It's like, yeah, same Holy Spirit. So, so we're Lutherans So now. No, we're not Lutherans. Lutherans. Okay, just <laughs> That's awesome. So, no, what, what I really love about that is um, God, the Holy Spirit is the one. We're leaning on him. We're listening to him. We're doing what he wants every day of our lives, but in every decision that we're making through church too, we really want to be, he said, I want my church my way, and that's, and that's our focus, is that this church would be a church that's really uh, Holy Spirit directed, that he's the one calling the shots, even for um, who's running different ministries. Um, we don't take that for granted, by the way. We shouldn't. We just like pray about it all. You pray with us too. Pray about it all. All right, Lord, if you maybe you have a, a youth boy and you see we have a need right now. So pray. Join with us. Partner with us for that because God has great plans. Anyway. Beautiful. So we're a family. Second thing we are is we're a presence driven. We are presence driven, not Christmas presents. Christmas presents. I mean, <laughs> presence as in the presence. God's presence. Presence of God driven. <laughs> We are, we are pursuers of him. 
We are pursuers of the presence. And... Well, so yeah. here's the thing. Um, Exodus, in Exodus um, 13, um, in uh, 40, in, in Numbers in 13 and 16, well, through both of those books, there's the description of um, the Israelites were um, encamped around the desert around God's presence when he would stop either in a um, pillar of um, uh, fire by night or cloud by the day to cover them and, and provide shade or warmth at night with the fire. Wherever he stopped, they would set up camp. But the minute the Israelites saw him start to move, they packed up quick and they just went and followed presence. The difference between the Old Testament and us in the New Testament now is the Old Testament, they had visitation. You and I, through the New Testament, we're part of the new covenant now. The Holy Spirit is residing on the inside of us. And so now we become people of his habitation. And so God lives with us. And then collectively, when we even when we worship tonight, I actually couldn't play my guitar because I was just shaking under the presence of God. He, he inhabits our, our praises, but he inhabits us even in our relationships when we just come together. And, and if we be people who will make that the priority of our life, he promises to make us a priority of his. We are. We are his priority. So presence-driven. That's our, that's our priority. We crave his presence like, in, like the addiction of our life, the affections of our heart and the attentions of our thinking all given to him, right? That's presence-driven. You know, and the presence thing, the presence isn't what happens when that note hits at just the right time and the last song in worship and before Clayton gets up and tells us it is. You know? <laughs> but his presence is meant to go with us everywhere. Um, but we are pursuers of the presence. Yeah. And, you know, I, I often ask myself, okay, how will I know if it's, if it's God that's showing up? How do I know if he's actually made a manifest presence? And I, I think in realms of fingerprints, maybe it's DNA these days, but if you were to look at a crime scene, I'm going to drop that seven more times before tonight. If you're going to look at a crime scene and try to figure out who was there, you, back in the old days, you'd dust for fingerprints, right? And whoever fingerprints are there, that's who you knew had committed whatever act was there. Well, sometimes I think when we dust for fingerprints, we see sickness, we see brokenness, we see a feeling of, of shame or guilt. Those are not fingerprints of God. Those are fingerprints of the enemy. But when I'm dusting for fingerprints and I see faith, hope, and love, and I read in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love, that's God's fingerprints. It's his fingerprints on a meeting. It's his fingerprints on my life. It's, my, it's his fingerprints when I have an interaction with another human being. Are they being left with faith, hope, and love? Well, that's not because I'm a great super Christian. It's because the presence of God was there. Does that make sense? And so I used to say that if I had a scoreboard, I live my life as a basketball player looking at scoreboards constantly. You, you get good at math, which was not a natural skill of mine. But I remember looking at that scoreboard to see if I was winning or losing. I remember the Lord telling me that when we first began this, I began to put things on the scoreboard that were a part of my old life. And they were certain things like attendance and offerings and, you know, uh, social media presence and buzz. That, that in, you know, and I'm looking at it and I'm going, I'm putting all these things up there. And the Holy Spirit goes, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm counting people. He goes, why are you counting people? Because that's what you're supposed to do. 
He goes, did I tell you to count people? I said, no. He said, then stop counting, and I'll tell you when to start. I said, okay. And then he told me, he says, I'm going to tell you what to put on your scoreboard. Like, there's a difference between a scoreboard somebody else made. Like, basketball has established rules. You already enter the game knowing that whoever has more points is who's winning. And God said, I'm going to create the scoreboard for you. And then I watched as he put up there two things. Did I show up, and did you do what I said? That's what the scoreboard is. So every week when I come home on a Sunday night, I just ask myself, did you show up and did we do what you said? And nothing else really matters. So when we talk about a presence-based culture, it's those two things. Did he show up and did we do what he said? And I know that he shows up when I see people people saved, healed, and delivered. If that's happening... And if people are being left with faith, hope, and love, if you're not walking out feeling heavier than you did coming in, then I think God was here. Although, to be honest, you can walk out heavier than you came in if you walked in, felt the compelling to lay stuff down at the altar, and you're like, no, I want to hold on to that. Thank you very much. That's true. true. So there is a choice. (laughs) In a presence-based culture, there are moments when you're going to feel uncomfortable. And you have to make a choice. Do I let go of this thing that's now, I was okay holding on to it before, but when I get into the presence, I feel compelled to let this thing go. Am I going to hold on to it or am I going to let it go? And I've seen some people that walk away and don't come back because they don't want to experience that presence anymore because they can't live the way they used to. No human being came up and said, you can't do that and be in church. It was the Holy Spirit that just went, why are you still holding on to this? And then I've seen other people come in and they feel the presence. And sometimes the presence has this weird thing. It lets you realize just how sinful you are. (laughs) And that's not very comfortable. But when it's God who does it, He reveals it so that you can lay that at His feet and He can cleanse you of all of that stuff and then refill you with His Spirit. Mm. And you can walk out free, whole, and empowered. And we will never compromise on a presence culture because I know what it does. So we are a people of the presence, and we are a presence-based church, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I don't know what's on your list, but I'm going to talk about the next thing. <laughs> well, I thought we'd do that next week. Maybe we'll move That's on That's what to I was going to do yeah, now. Do. No, because I'll do that real quick. I'll do that real quick. Yeah, so, four minutes. I promised 5.30. I promised. <laughs> He's, he's going home to watch football. <laughs> I don't even like Kick it. Kick off at 6.30. The apostle, the, 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 um, sorry, the, the word apostle or the apostle, the, the word apostolic church, maybe that's new to some of you. Um, I, we're going to start explaining what it means to be an apostolic church and to um, be a church that's, um, it's, you know, the picture in the New Testament is the Antioch church. Um, and so we, from the beginning days, we knew that we had to be very similar to the Antioch Church. It was something the Holy Spirit said to us both. Um, but I remember a couple of months last year, we were talking, we spent six months talking about worship. Do you remember? Not every service, but a lot of the services, just the focus for the last six months of last year, we just worship, we're talking about worship, you are a worshiper. Halfway through that process, the Holy Spirit said now, starting next year now, start to explain to people what it really means to be an apostolic center, to use that word, maybe not, maybe we won't necessarily use that phrase, um, but an apostolic-led um, church. And so you can find in Ephesians 4, um, 
the, the five apostolic gifts, well, the ascension gifts, it's um, apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, teacher. They're called ascension gifts. It's 411, the, the chapter, the verse you're looking for. And um, what, what that was, that was, that was how uh, the Antioch church was led. And those five particular gifts are gifts from Jesus that he has set into his church. Different to the Holy Spirit-given gifts, which we know are prophetic words, the gift of tongues, discerning of spirits, wisdom, faith, those things. Um, but the apostolic, the apostolic, the ascension gifts, which is apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, those gifts, and, and it's not that the people that have this, that, that are this gift are better than anybody else in the community. They're not. We are all the same as far as sons and daughters of the King of Heaven and highly valued, all of us. But people that have this specific gifting, or they themselves are the gift that God sets into the church for the purpose of chaining up everybody else in, in the church so that the person who is an, apost an apostle or apostolic, you know, gifting on their life is they, they literally bring into the church an apostolic anointing. The person who's prophetic, the prophet, or not that there would be one, there could be more than one, right? We already know we have more than, more than one. We've told you a few of them. So the person who is a prophet, capital P versus prophetic, we're all prophetic people. We all hear from the Holy Spirit ourselves. That's what it means to be a prophetic person. I hear I know what to do. I'm receiving revelation. I can run because I've been given instructions from the Holy Spirit. So we're all prophetic people. But the person who is an actual prophet set into the church, um, that the job of that, those people are to um, teach and train up and stir up that gift in everybody else. The person who's an evangelist, same. The person who's an evangelist brings a greater anointing into the community and all the people's ability is stirred up and all of the people rise up into that place where they all become themselves very evangelistic. Does this make sense? Same with the pastor and the teacher. And so it's these, these, these five people, five gifts, are set into the church for the purpose of teaching and training up every other person in the community. And this is God's will that every single one of us, every joint supply... Everybody has a place and a part to, to do, you know, in the church, in the kingdom of God. Every single one of us needs to know how to um, minister just like Jesus did. And, and every one of us is asked to, commanded to, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, open blind eyes. That is the commandment to us all. And it's not like, oh, the person holding the microphone, they're the super Christian and they, that's their job. I'll bring my friend to them, they'll, they'll get it done. No, no, it's all of us, all of us. Jesus wants every single one of us to be fully functioning and being able to minister to people just like Jesus did. As if, as if you in your workplace, as if it was Jesus himself sitting there and loving the people around about you and ministering to their hearts and being able to deliver those who need deliverance, minister healing, love, right? This is the job of all of us. And so the ascension giftedness, the ascension gifts are about that. So Jesus sets these into the church, and he has, and more are coming, so that every single one of us would rise up and really be the people that God wants us to be. It's what builds big people. Family, kingdom, we've talked about being a kingdom, is a family, and we're raising big people. The big people, are, they've just risen up, understood who they are, know how to minister under the power of God, flow in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Ascension gifts are about. That's great. Amen? Yeah. So apostles, pastors, 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, evangelists, teachers. Those are all things we want to help raise up within the church. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. We're not all five of those things. No, no in fact, if you were to look at us, I'm probably more the pastor teacher. She's more the apostle. And so there's different gifts that flow. And we've had to figure that out over the last couple of years to figure out how do we work together? How do we... And still have a good marriage. And still have a good marriage. <laughs> but it's not just the two. We want to raise up more. All of you, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have spiritual gifts, which are different to these. But the role of the fivefold ministry is yeah. to help equip the saints. Yeah. That means all the Christians. Yeah. So it's the role yeah, yeah, of yeah. these fivefold ministries to help you develop all of your spiritual gifts to be outworked for a kingdom purpose. I'm in, I'm in. And so I'm we in. talked about a couple of years ago that we want to help you discover, develop, and deploy your own spiritual gift, those three things, gifts, because often it's multiple of those. God does that through this apostolic church that has all five of those working together. We'll be talking more about that over the course of the year. I'd love to get Romy to do a full teaching on that. But even just this Wednesday night, I know Stephanie and, and Jessica have a, a Bible study on Wednesday nights that they've sort of transitioned it from a, a book club group. It's not a bad, not a great description of it. But they're beginning to now start praying at the beginning of their group to get words of knowledge for people in the community. And they spend the rest of the night going out into the mall and prophesying over people and, and wanting to see people healed. She told me a story tonight. Or telling somebody else, I kind of overheard that this was the first week you did it, and you've already gotten some great results from it, yeah. I think. Yeah. Did you want to share that? Yeah. So, um, on Wednesday, we or each of us prayed, and I had gotten just a lady that wore a red shirt, and so we're walking around the Greenbrier Mall, and um, we see a couple, you know, ch of people in Chick-fil-A. Well, Jess ends up going into the restroom, and she passes this lady. And the lady was super excitable, and she was like, hi, you know, very nice to Jess. Jess came back and met us, and then um, we went back to the tables and just sat, and the same lady came through, and Jess, like, ran from the table and met with this lady. And um, she was just talking to her, and she was like, hey, you know, I, I sense that you know the Lord, but the Holy Spirit puts you on my heart. And this lady, Mary, had opened up and kind of told her that she, yes, she believed in God, and she witnessed his miracles, but she was really contending for a miracle so we were able to just stand in the mall and pray with her um, and she just gave all three of us a big hug there was three of us there and just was very grateful that we came and she was like this was so God and very cheerful and stuff and so there was a couple other people that we passed and just um, you know loved on really it wasn't anything we just waited for the Holy Spirit to move but we were just able to be there um, pray over that entire mall and we kind of stayed aside and talked um, for a little bit. And while we were talking, the, the conversation we were talking about, this Christian song came on. And Jess is like, that's a Christian song. And the whole time walking through the mall, we had not heard any noise at all. Like there was no songs playing. And so she sent it to us other, I think it was a Colton Dixon song, but it was very much on what we experienced with Mary and what we were conversing about standing in front of Macy's. And so we were really pumped about that. Nice. So we're... We're believing for more of that stuff. And I know you go, hey, this spiritual gifts thing, speaking in tongues, that's weird. I don't, I don't really want weird. And I love the word weird because you look it up in the dictionary, the original definition of the word weird means pertaining to the supernatural. Amen. Amen. We're getting I'm weird. weird. <laughs> no, we're not getting weird. But I'm reclaiming that word. There's a few things I want. I want to reclaim Redefine the it. rainbow. I want to reclaim the word weird. There's things that we need to get back into the kingdom. But um, we're excited for what God's doing. 
in our church just, for what he just has done. Before you sound like you're yep, closing up. I just am. want yes, I know. That's why I'm interrupted. There's a kickoff. <laughs> so, just want to remind There's a kickoff. You. The thing, the two things. So all of this, everything that we've just talked about, the two things, Holy Spirit has always said, guard to me, he said, you, the t- over anything, it's protect the place of prayer and guard the place of worship. As the core identity of who we are is worshippers who are made to live in um, complete union, communion with, with who God is. Holy Spirit lives on the inside. And so everything that we've talked about tonight, for everyone here, us included, the, the, the things is prayer and worship. And it's not like that stiff, I have to do this every morning at 6 a.m. for 30 minutes devotion. It's no, it's just learning his heartbeat and learning when he calls your name, come away. Even if it's into the workplace bathroom for a couple of minutes, right? Where he can just download something to you, but you have this very beautiful, natural relationship that is growing, nonstop growing. And because he wants to pull us into deeper and deeper communion with him every day. We'll never, we'll never reach the depth of who he is here on the earth. And we won't in heaven. We've got eternity to learn this. But, but it's, it's, it's guard, protect the place of worship and guard the place of prayer. They're the two things. So if, if we all do that, if we, if we all do that, that's that, it's that, it's that relationship, it's intimacy, intimacy with him. That's the pursuit of your heart, our heart. And, and he's the one who's actually in pursuit of your heart in this anyway. He doesn't make it hard because it's his pursuit of you anyway. And he, he's who wants that. He's who designed you for it. He's initiated it in you. And he wants this for you. He makes it easy. So, amen. 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 So, I know it's a little bit of a different message for tonight. But um, if you got questions about that stuff, we love, love questions. We don't have time to open it up for questions tonight. Um, but email me, call me, text me, talk to me. We'd love to help answering those questions that you guys have. But I'm excited for what God's going to do over the course of this year. And we're going to pray together tonight and uh, believe God for your 2020 as well, too. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that as we pursue your face, God, we can find you. That you are actually the one knocking on the door of our hearts. And all we got to do is open it and you'll come in. Father, thank you that you have pursued us even at times when we haven't pursued you. But it's your presence that we want. It's your presence that brings fullness of joy. We're believing you that that word for us for this year of joy-filled breakthrough will be for every single individual who calls Seashore Church their home, God. For us that do, that that joy-filled breakthrough doesn't just end with us, but it overflows to our communities, God. It's overwhelming generosity that's pouring out of our people. It is overflowing joy, more than enough for us our family, our friends, our co-workers. We see revival happening in this city, God. We see hearts being torn open because your love has broken through every wall, God. And as those hearts are surrendered to you, you fill them more with your spirit that streams of living water might flow from us. We pray a blessing on businesses this year. We pray bigger fish for our business people in Jesus' name. We pray net busting catches this year for our people. Let this be the year of breakthrough, Lord God. Breakthrough in healing, personal healing, God, of all the diseases that people in our church have, God. Let this be the year that we see healing flow. And even as we struggle 
physically God, it doesn't mean that we can't administer healing to someone else. So I pray for hospital closing hands that as we lay hands on the sick, God, there's just not enough sick to keep hospitals in business anymore. We pray spiritual breakthrough in the lives of our people and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.